0: Hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi, Paras. Thank you so much for coming over to Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: No, thank you so much for hosting me. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to talk to you, Ashish.
0: Great. So, Paris, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll talk about your venture.
1: Great. Hi, everyone. My name is Paras Fatnani. I am um, 32 years of age. Um, I grew up in uh, Bombay and uh, spent about 13 years out in the UK, came back uh, to focus on my entrepreneurship venture. Um, And I'm excited to speak to you all.
0: Great. So what what has been your Paras background before starting your current venture?
1: So in 2008, I moved to the UK, um, started working with Nike for a bit, and also worked with Times of India. Um, And then in 2010, I started working with a company called QS. Uh, They are the publishers of the World University Rankings. They do education fairs across the world. Um, They fundamentally have operations in over 60 countries, and uh, they're an education conglomerate. So for for the last half decade, I used to lead the B2C marketing division there. Um, <clears throat> through this time, since 2010, I've always also wanted to run my own startups. So, mm-hmm. um, back in time, I, uh, partnered with some of my friends who were running Foxy Moron. That's a digital agency. Uh, did that for a couple of years with them in parallel to QS, uh, then ran an events business for a couple of years in parallel to QS. Um, and then in 2000, late 2015, um, my current venture. Honey Twigs, uh, which is the the parent company is called Network Foods, came into being. Um, So I I worked on a lot of services before, and I had a craze to do a product. Um, And since then, you know, for for about five years, I tried to balance both uh, and then decided if this has to be, you know, I have to put all my bets in the same basket. So resigned Mm -hmm. earlier this year, moved to India.
0: Paras, so what has been the motivation to start the honey twigs what was the inspiration
1: so to be honest it was um, a friendly conversation with my co-founder and um, the the idea always was that i'd done uh, businesses that led services product was a was a desire somewhere to uh, you know to try and do Um, and and to be honest both myself and my partner were food are foodies and and when we were chatting we were sort of thinking about what's a simple thing that can help people be healthy? Um, and you know, when we, when we started this, both of us were going through this whole idea of you know, how can we be more healthy by not doing too much? Um, like half of <laughs> India does probably. So our, our thinking was, let's try and focus on food that is simple, but by, by switching over, people will make a substantial difference to their lifestyles. And hence came, came about the idea of doing honey. Um, and from there, even, you know, we, we went back to the drawing board where my co-founder actually, his university project. So we both did our master's together. And we were sort of that duo back in university. Uh, so we were an age difference of 10 years in the middle. Mm-hmm. And we were sort of, you know, he was one of the elder ones. I was probably one of the younger ones. But the chemistry that we had was, was second to none. And food was something that used to connect us a lot together. And, um, you know, his university project was on uh, opening a honey cafe. And in that cafe, the testers that were there, so there was about different types of honey in in one cafe, and that remains a part of our our vision. But the testers that were there uh, in that uh, physical retail space were the Mm -hmm. twigs. And that's somewhere where we got our inspiration on the product itself.
0: So how do you, how do you currently uh, procure? What is the dynamics? Like how do you procure your the raw material ingredients for, how does it work?
1: Sure. So, so just before that, we're a business that's currently in two segments. We're in the B2C space as well as the mm-hmm. B2B space. So B2C is our retail business. wherein mm-hmm. um, you know, We're available online, on our website, honeytwigs.in. Um, we're available on Big Basket, Amazon, and all the other e-commerce portals. Then we are present in physical stores as well as, so physical stores meaning modern trade and the Kirana shops. And then our second arm of the business is in food services, which is the hotels, cafes, airlines. Our second part of the business is in, is in food services, which is hotels, cafes, airlines. And through this entire um, business vertical that we operate in, our supply chain remains our core strength. So one of the things that we do is Uh, So, the honey, uh, fundamentally, our our base honey, which is our Himalayan multiflora honey, comes from the foothill of the Himalayas and the the northern belt of India. So, quality has been at the heart of of all of our work. And all our uh, focus remains on product innovation. So, what we've tried to do even here is that, you know, through uh, offering something that is so unique and simple, We're trying to help people build those habits. So moving from sugar to honey is probably something that, you know, not everyone thinks about actively, but if you get a product that can actually uh, be that substitute, the chances of you making that choice is is higher. So from our supply chain perspective, we procure the honey. We have our own packaging uh, facilities um, in Delhi, and then we ship across the country.
0: Oh, wow. So uh, that's ec- that's excellent. I mean, uh, honey being, you know, uh, transition from sugar to honey. I mean, all as consumers, we are always looking for the right <laughs> products, you know, where we can find the pure honey <laughs> with uh, yeah. uh, any sort of... And we recently men-
1: actually ran a campaign called High Honey by Sugar. And we're okay. not saying, you know, to be, to be very honest, as foodies, what we're saying is, you know, we're not yet saying buy our product, buy our product, buy our product. We're saying switch from sugar to honey. You know, oh. we want you mm. to be healthier. Make the choice of the brand that you do by trying the product, by believing what they're offering when, you know, when you are experiencing it. But mm-hmm. switch, our, our focus is to help people make that, that switch.
0: So so you currently sell only in terms of small sachets or like bigger jars are also available?
1: So our our principal or our our primary brand is called Honey Twigs. And that is, Mm -hmm. you know, where 80% of our attention lies. Um, Having, you know, given the space that we operate in, um, fundamentally more on the B2B side as well, uh, there Mm -hmm. was a need where our clients or our partners wanted to buy bulk and single sachets from the same vendor. And so we have launched a second brand, which is called Networks Honey, N E C T W O R K S, mm-hmm. uh, Networks Honey, and under that
0: we do bottles. Yeah. So my question was, Paris. In terms of you mentioned this distinction between B two B and B two C, I've seen a lot of brands facing a lot of challenges in uh, striking up a partnership in B two B segment. So what are your thoughts, and how do how does someone uh, crack such deals or partnerships in B2B segment?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, if I was to sum it up, I think persistence, focus, and consistently trying to fo- to deliver the the need of the partner that you have. So, for us, you know, we partner with clients like Starbucks, um, Cafe Coffee Day, Chai Point, uh, Western Hotels, Marriott Hotels, and most of these partnerships have happened because there was a need that they had, which we were able to serve in the best possible way. So service remains a, a core, along with the product quality and and the offering. So I'd say you don't lose heart. I, you know some of our mm-hmm. partnerships have taken years to build. So mm-hmm. stay persistent with it, but make sure that you're clear that there is a value offering that you're that you're providing to your partner.
0: And any tips you want to provide to any to our potential listeners? If someone is looking to have someone have such brand, you know, they're looking to partner with Starbucks, Chai a different, different. How do you approach about going about, you know, to get the deal done, you know?
1: So, hand on heart, I think we we did it the hard way. Uh, Hmm. For us, majority of our work started with cold calls. We didn't have mm-hmm. a godfather in the industry that told us what to do and how to do it. So we mm-hmm. started off with very simple approaches where, you know, we knew what product we were creating and we know that we are, um, you know, that they have a need. We we tried to work on live cases. So we actually went to their store to see how their experiences were with their customers and, you know, started with a cold call with their procurement team saying, hey, we we are doing this. Um, you know, we are consumers of your of your product, um, ourselves. Um, would you be interested to, to hear us out for 10 minutes? And I think what's important is before you start the pitch, know mm. if you're talking to the right person, one and two, True. are they gonna give you the time? Mm. Because if they're not interested, you know there's no point in in running on with the pitch and And hence, you know my, my biggest advice is always find the right person. And it can take time, you know. For us, it took us six to, to twelve months in many many of these cases to find the right person to talk to first. And you know, a lot of brands or a lot of companies, many many times I feel give up easily, saying that, "Well, you know, it's such a big conglomerate. How do you reach them? So, uh, mm. my my core advice will be, you know, it will take time. It is, you know, a, a lot of these processes, or um, I wouldn't say companies at large, but Systems are quite bureaucratic, so you know you need to work with the system and then try and change the system immediately.
0: True, true. I think that's an excellent point in terms of you have to rely and have faith in the process and try to work with the system, then against and the again the second point in terms of having the right connect, finding the right connect is absolutely uh, very crucial. And you know yeah, uh, you have
1: uh, you know it can it can mean that you have to. You have to spend a lot of time going office mm. to office to, to meet the mm. right person. And that's fine. A lot of legwork. You to create that partnership. That's the first mm. step.
0: Right, right. A lot of legwork definitely needs to be put in. That's very interesting. Definitely. So you mentioned, you know, Paris. in terms of, uh, you made a recent call in terms of going full-time. I mean, I, I, I have found many, many founders, many founders who are, sort of in the same boat, if I can say so, right? Uh, Where their startup, you know, they are not too sure when is it, when is the right time to go and commit full time or not, you know? So what was the key factor from your end? You know, what was the key motivator? You were like, no, this is it. You know, this is the moment I'm confident or how does someone take that critical call? Mm, Great question
1: again. So being honest with you, you know, from the time I started it, I kept contemplating, should I do it? Should I do it? Should I do it? And the reality of the situation is that the grass is always greener on the other side. When you have something else going, you feel that, you know, you can do it in in parallel. Um, Having done it for five years, um, I I think that is, you know, each person to its own. and, And I will give you that caveat as well that, you know, another founder's journey will be different to mine um, mm,
0: right. mm-hmm.
1: but one critical thing if you are trying to you know manage two things in parallel firstly is f- having the right team and I think invest in that right team and that co-founder that that you work with um, so that's one second I would say if I could turn back the wheels I'd probably do it when I started oh really <laughs> um, and I'll say that I'll tell you why I say that actually. Because um every, every obviously every day is a new opportunity and even now we see as many and more opportunities. But um you know, it is it's somewhere um the gestation period of the business depends on the people. So how long mm-hmm. do you how long does it take you to become profitable? Is a part, and again it depends on what kind of business are you doing. Firstly, as a service offering, sure it could be a very different play, but from mm. a product perspective, being in the market, what it can give you is something that nothing else can give you. So today, in the last three months, every day I I go to the field. I mean, where when I can, obviously I did the quarantine, I I did all the necessary, uh, I took all the necessary precautions, but every day that I can, I'm in the market. Because the consumer's pulse is the most important thing from a product perspective. So if you can, um, if you can, and and like I said, everyone will have their own journey and reasons to why not do it or to do it. But if mm. you can really give yourselves that chance, then I would say when you're starting off is the best time to do it because the speed at which you would grow would be unparalleled. Because then you're constantly evolving every day.
0: Right, because then you are interacting with the business. You are fully there. You have the uh, pulse on the business as as every day is passing by. You can take more decision more quickly.
1: Correct, and and I think you know not to not to take away from any of the challenges that founders face. And there is a reason why people do two things at the same time. It's it's fundamentally capital, right? So even for us, mm. it was the same thing. So while I was there, you know. Um, we knew that we had a backup to fall on. And I think what I would advise people for is to not have those backups because that's when you're working the hardest to see what you're really going to do.
0: Right. That's very true, no? I mean, if in the mind, there is always a backup, you know, things are things pan out a little differently. But in the end, if you know, you know, that's what it is, right? This is what it is. I have to do it. So if you have to make it sure you reach to the end line or whatever the milestones are there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And- you know, that became a big reason for me to move as well. It was either to say, you know, continue as is, and then the scale just doesn't come or, you know, give yourself that 18 months to say, can you actually make this a successful business?
0: Right. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think it will be of definitely uh, immense help to everyone listening it. Uh, because every, each of us, you know, has a different path or journey, definitely. But, uh, uh, these are very relevant points and good to know uh, someone from experience for sure. So, Paris, tell me what has been the most difficult aspect in, in in running a startup when you started initially? You know, what was the most challenging aspect? Hiring, sales, what was the most difficult aspect of building the supply chain uh, that you faced initially?
1: So, so, for us, I think I would say our first big milestone was the product itself we didn't want to be another business that was doing another product that exists. Our thing was to understand and solve a consumer challenge. So even before we launched, we actually surveyed about 3000 odd people to understand what were the challenges that they faced with the use of honey, right? Because there are a diamond dozen brands of honey. Why, why would we start one more? And interestingly, the, the three aspects that came out and, and as we look back, we feel that that has been the fundamental um, sort of core of the reason why we exist. The three main challenges that that people told us was one that honey is a messy product, so it spills you know there is there is you know when you're using it drops of that fallout and and then there'll be ants or or something else. So the mess was one aspect of it. The second was um the durability, the, the portability. So I can't carry honey anywhere with me. And these were a lot of people who wanted to stay fit, but they were struggling because, or, you know, they wanted to switch rather than just stay fit. They were already trying to be fit, but they wanted to switch from sugar to honey, but they were finding it difficult because it was, you know, consumption was limited to to home. And Mm. so, second was portability. And third was quality. They said, everyone says pure. What does pure mean? Right? And, right. and it's a constant discussion. So we went to the drawing board and we said, how do we solve this?
0: Mm.
1: And I think our, our first big challenge was finding the right product. And second, and, and I think, I don't think we've come through the second challenge yet. I think second mm-hmm. is building the best best on purpose team. And there's mm. a reason I say best on purpose because you can build a great team. There might be mm-hmm. people who are very committed, but are they... You know, are you one? Are you hiring them for the right reason and the right role? And two, are they delivering for your business? Because great people don't make great businesses, great teams mm-hmm. do.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. So, in terms of so, two quick follow up on uh, uh, the questions. So, in terms of you mentioned quality, you know, for us as an end consumer, you know, how do you define or how do you as a consumer, if I'm looking to buy honey, right, how do I differentiate? Like, everyone say they are pure, etc. There are no preservatives. I mean, there is just too much, too much of noise into the market and it has just, like, consumers are, if I can say, so a little confused. Like, how do you define what is pure? And if it is pure, does it mean it reduces shelf life? What are the aspects that gets uh, affected by it? Yeah. yeah. So let me tell
1: you one thing about honey, right? So (laughs) the natural honey so there is one very big myth that exists that crystallization of honey means there's sugar adulteration, right and it's actually quite the opposite crystallization means there is actually pure honey Uh now honey is a natural product no two batches no two uh, uh, producers can actually be exactly the same Obviously, you can have, you know, you can follow a, a standard process and you can try and um, standardize um, the supply chain and the uh, the production processes as much as you want. But there will be a small variance, right? With natural products in general. I'm not talking about honey alone. All natural products will have some variance down the line. And uh, for us, you know, one uh, thing that we're trying to, Help people learn about is this crystallization factor. So, honey is fundamentally with two has two main sugars. It has suc- it has fructose and it has glucose. Table sugar on the other hand has suc- is purely sucrose. Mm-hmm. So with fructose and glucose, what happens is that uh, through its natural fermentation, it can uh, it can crystallize. And all you need to do is that put put that crystallized jar or twig in warm water, and it will, in, in a little time, return to its standards, uh, you know, uh, shape and 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 its uh, texture. So crystallization is one myth in terms of how to understand quality. And, and that's a great question, actually, because, um, you know, a normal consumer, when you buy a product, you don't look through the finite details as much um, when it comes to a commodity product like honey. Right, uh, you're going by the brand more times than the product itself, exactly. So products, you know, and this is where we we spend time learning how to indicate on quality as well. So, for us, uh, and FSSA did this study uh, just around the time when we were about to launch, uh, which showed that a lot of brands had uh, several antibiotics in honey, which invariably are not good for the body, which means that over time if you're getting used to those antibiotics then the impact of um, you know a, a superfood like honey goes down especially when you're ill or when you're trying to improve that immunity
0: oh really yes.
1: wow yes yes so our biggest thing was that all our honey is antibiotic free and every batch of honey that we procure comes with a lab test report right mm-hmm. and a consumer can look at the batch number on the back and say, can you share this report with us? And, you know, we've built that transparency into our business model that at any point within 48 hours, that report is sent to the customer.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: So, so quality, there are certain tests like the C3, C4 test. Um, and, and there's been, you know, discussions around the TMR and the SMR tests as well. So, mm-hmm. These are, are are aspects that I would say to consider to ensure that you look at quality with the right uh, with the right measure.
0: And is it true? Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, honey, if it's it's like in a jar or a bottle or something, like it it tends to harden. You know, correct. there is and a tendency. Like- so it's it's yeah. okay, okay. So, so, so it's 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 a
1: isn't is a, a common phenomenon, and. If a honey does not crystallize, I would then be worried. <laughs> because the, the way and the reason why it doesn't crystallize is because it's been, it's been pasteurized so much. Which means that it's been heated to that level that the nutrients in the honey are gone.
0: And what could be the reason to heat it so much? To increase the shelf life? I mean, what is the ultimate uh, metric or benefit the company is looking for? Uh, to leverage by heating it so much? I mean, what is, what, what is the value they are trying to extract?
1: So it's, it's fundamentally, you know, trying to not be the brand that crystallizes because the, the mentality of people is crystallization is, you know, honey being crystallized is bad honey.
0: Ah, okay. So only
1: now our brands realizing that why don't we educate them more about this than actually play into that, that fear
0: and and what is the reason of you mention uh, antibiotics to be put in honey i mean does it increases something decreases i mean or, it's not
1: put in the honey itself it's in the initial process so uh, the crops and everything else where the the flowers where the um, the bees go or you know through that initial uh, process is where antibiotics are used um, and what that does is fundamentally it's it's a you know it's a volume metric so if you can get more honey you know uh through that process it allows that
0: oh oh interesting interesting very interesting i think uh, uh many of us like me are not very much aware of it but hopefully now uh i'm able to understand you know crystallization is good that will be my key takeaway (laughs) so so paris uh, tell us a little bit about you know what is your now plan you were saying about now you're back uh your full time into the business so you want to scale so have you raised any fund as of now or do you plan to raise any fund time uh, funds anytime soon so
1: so we have some um, well-wishers and and early stage uh, angel investors on board already Who've helped us over the last uh, two to three years. Earlier this year, we we did a strategic uh, investment with our um, our primary supplier of honey as well, um, and that is where some of our quality assurance comes from as well. That you know we are ingrained into the value chain, uh, where we know from uh, from the source to the packaging, we're aware of the entire uh, ecosystem. So uh, we are you know, opening our, our investment round at the moment. Um, so, so yes, we are looking to raise, um, we have some investors on board and their confidence in us has, has brought us so far. Um, and you know, we're excited about the next phase of the journey.
0: And do you also plan to add more products to your portfolio, different products, honey related products or something else you have in mind?
1: Our vision is to sort of be a, a health and wellness, uh, company and that's what we're working towards Uh, our current focus is honey because the challenge and and the um, the problem to solve in honey itself is quite massive so our longer term vision is to diversify as well but at the same time at the moment we know that we need to focus and we need to service the uh, the the clientele that we have now and the segments that we operate in and in due course of time we will diversify further as well but right now What we are doing is within honey, we have two different packagings. Uh, We have uh, four different variants right now. We're about to launch two new variants. Um, We're we're launching lemon infused honey and uh, turmeric infused honey. And this, we believe in in a time where your immunity is a big factor, Mm -hmm. um, will will play a key role. And also today people use lemon and honey every morning. So... Mm. We're also trying to make that, um, you know, consumer have an easier opportunity to do that.
0: Instead of squeezing lemons, you're saying, okay, everything is just here, just put it and
1: Yeah, and our core remains, everything is natural. So, we're not using flavors or anything else. So, today we have cinnamon-infused honey and vanilla-infused honey. And Mm. all our, um, so obviously the honey is natural and and even the vanilla and cinnamon are natural products so within our product you will see small particles which is actually the vanilla or the cinnamon
0: Wow and, and in terms of uh, uh, what will you say was a key sort of milestone for honey twigs you know the uh, be it some of the major partnerships you uh, you had or like what was a major milestone for you guys
1: So, I think we've had a few so far, and and uh, you know we're looking to build what the next phase uh, has to offer. But our first mm-hmm. big milestone was probably, um, you know, when we had our, our first big B two B client on board, um, which was Cafe Coffee Day uh, back in two thousand seventeen. Um, some of the other milestones obviously have been revenue related, product related, um, and 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 I think you know with a nimble small team we've built a very good brand now it's about um, how much product access can we create in the market that allows consumers to actually enjoy what we've created
0: wow so uh, in in terms of cafe coffee day you are how many cafes uh, are you currently supplying to
1: so obviously, I mean, this was this was back in two thousand seventeen, in in the prime of their days, that um, yeah. they had about fourteen hundred yeah. odd outlets. Uh, now I think that's about eight hundred plus that they're actively running, um, mm-hmm. and from that milestone, I think we've grown pillar and post because you know from there we then entered Chai Point, which is one of our other very strong partners. Uh, we've gone into Starbucks. Um, We've, uh, you know, we've got regional cafe chains like that as well. We've got Mm -hmm. retail, uh, we've got hotels. So, so I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's believing that you're solving that problem and focus because for some time in the middle, we probably were trying to do a lot. And now we've gone back to saying, let's do what we do well and, and make sure that we can create an impact and be a value addition uh, to our partners and to our consumers. And um, post that, you know, we will we will look at other products and other uh, problems to solve.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Paris, I have an interesting question for you. So, recently I did a podcast. It's not out yet uh, with founder of T-Trunk. Uh, mm-hmm. And I asked the question in terms of what was the impact on uh of covid on your sales so the answer was they have grew atex is drinking more tea so now my question to you to you is like what has been the impact of like if tea and coffee sales are going up what has been the impact on your sort of sales during this pandemic
1: so i mean india is drinking more tea and india wants to build their immunity so they've been having more honey as well um (laughs) so our our sales have grown uh, to about 3.6x of where we were and um, mm-hmm. and that's that's fundamentally also because traditionally we were a very b2b driven business we had our a mm. foot in the door in the b2c business uh, but we had limited um, you know we, we 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 had a limited focus on that and since the pandemic i think one thing that this time has taught us is also to have the diversification of business uh, that allows sustainable revenue and at the same time um you know um, gives you an opportunity to to work directly with consumers as well so yes we've grown too to answer your question we've grown about uh you know between uh, 3.5 and 4x of of our business um and i think the use of honey is only going to increase further from
0: And and your your strong bet is in B two C or a B two B segment. Like where do you see the growth coming in from?
1: So, uh, being honest, it's in both. Um, and I think mm. our our focus is turning towards within B two C as well. We need to know, mm. um, you know, as a business, it's a lot about cost of customer acquisition, right? So, if you can create a sustainable model where we, where you can acquire customers at a and now I'm talking only purely business language here before, you know, mm. uh, what means, uh, you know, from a growth perspective, but as mm-hmm. a business, if you can acquire customers at a good cost of acquisition and you can create work, you know, you can sustain with working capital or you can become working capital positive. Um, that is, those are the businesses that we want to grow into, right? We're not one to become, and as we build a brand and and this is one, um question I get very often because consumer brands take a lot of capital to build.
0: Yes. And many a time,
1: you know, while you're and especially in segments like like what we're trying to do, we're trying to build a habit. Right? Building a habit is mm. not is not cheap. It's 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 extremely mm. expensive. So for us, it's about while we build that habit, which is a direct-to-consumer mechanism, how can we keep our cash flows with our B2B business? to ensure that, you know, we, we can become working capital positive and at the same time, keep our cost of acquisition in control.
0: So that's a that's a very interesting point you, you mentioned, Paras. So what has been your st- strategy in the D2C segment to acquire customers? Do you leverage social media? What has been the strategies which has worked for you particularly? Yes,
1: yeah, so, so we've... Uh, you know, traditionally we were we were very slow when it comes to our retail business um, physical retail is where we put majority of our bets um, we've now grown a lot in the e-commerce space um, you know we've been Amazon's choice of the you know product of the month in in several months um, we continue to to improve our uh, customer experience through our own website as well so I would say for us e-commerce is is a growing space um, and it's something that we're betting big on. We want to continue building our presence in in modern trade, um, but we may we may have uh, you know uh, we don't want to spread too fast to then realize that we've we're trying to do too much. So we're going to go with a very focused approach within the direct to consumer route. And at the end of the day, you know, what what we've learned over the last couple of years is our our customer loyalty. So when someone tries us and likes us, that loyalty is extremely high. So our repeat purchases as high as eighty-five percent. But wow. The, wow. our biggest challenge, or our um, I wouldn't call it a challenge. Our um, I'd say the the goal that we have is customer trial. How can we get more customers to try us? Because once they once they try it, you know, proof is is there now for us to say that you know there's more likelihood that they'll come back to only us
0: and and on a on a lighter note you're not worried uh, of uh, amazon basic honey coming into the market
1: no i'm glad i'm uh, you know and people ask me this even about um, our twigs. you know what do you think the more brands start doing twigs hmm. i actually hmm. think that's great for the market because the more people can build habit the market size grows and then if you are the right brand which promises and delivers what you say you know, mm. a customer will will back you. So, you know, the end um, decision maker is the customer. Um, I think the the more competitors that are in the space, the larger the pie, the the more the space for people to to buy into it.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. I think yeah, I I strongly agree with you on this one, uh, because ultimately, if someone is entering into market and uh, they are also teaching uh, and increasing the awareness and building that habit so ultimately the the one who has the best service best product wins yes yes excellent excellent paras so i think we are running little short of time so to wrap it up uh i'll ask you my favorite question so what would you have done paras differently if you were to start your business today
1: million dollar question isn't it (laughs) <laughs> um, what i have done differently so to be honest um you know i'm not one who thinks that what what has happened or is happening is you know every step is a learning step um so there is not a lot i would do differently yes you know maybe the one thing that i said probably at some point earlier as well if i would i would have backed myself much sooner to go all in then uh, then a couple of years later but having said that you know there were uh, scenarios at play because of which i had to do what we did um so so yes to to be direct to your to your question um if i could i would go all in much earlier than when i did
0: oh great 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 uh so that's a key takeaway then i guess uh committing to your business uh, at an early stage on rather than waiting for the right moment. Uh, so thank you so much, Paris. It was wonderful to have you and some amazing insights and a lot of learning. Uh, definitely, you're making one key uh, customer here in terms of uh, making the habit generated here. You know, I'm now rethinking, okay, should I switch my honey now? Yes. So great, Paris. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to have you.
1: Thank you, Ashish. Pleasure is all mine. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening. We will be back with another episode of Blitz Business. Stay tuned.